just want you to know, Jr. I'm gonna nail you. Now, haven't you noticed? You gotta be a man to play in my league. <laughs> No one only a dollar ninety nine buys you at Ponderosa right now. You'll get nothing like Swatch. What? Hot is dead. Pontiac Fiero. It says one hundred percent guaranteed, you moron. This is crazy. This is crazy. This is crazy. My density has popped me to you. But it's only authentic if it says members only right here. Live from Members Only Studios, welcome to Living in the 80s, the podcast where we talk about anything and everything having to do with the 1980s. The best that we remember it. There it is. All right. Hmm? Gentlemen, welcome back. Thanks for having us miss back. miss you the, over the last week or yeah. so. How was your week? Not it's good. good. It's a pretty good it's week. Good. Best Enjoy. week ever. Yeah. Best week ever. Enjoy <laughs> some good pizza. Sure. We yeah. are uh, raring and ready to go on 1980. Oh, so, yeah. So, yeah, 1980 is a good year. What were you guys doing in 1980? Do you remember? Fifth, sixth grade, playing Little League, playing basketball. Playing basketball. Got my first set of clubs. That's about, about all I can remember. Got your first set of clubs? Golf clubs. Did you really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Part of first of all, I'm You'd think out on that one, you'd be better, huh? No way. Yeah. I know, you would think I would be better. But Interesting. He had the club. He was the best name Snowball, not Golf Ball. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. What about you, Matt? Uh, you yeah, same age as same age here. So what grade was that? Fifth or sixth? Fifth okay. Yeah, end of fifth, beginning of sixth. So, yep. so my, yeah, we were we played baseball down at the Towers. That was our, our spot. And even if, you know, that's where our sport diamonds and sport fields were, but that was also... Who was your sponsor? Uh, well, it was the Hamilton Chico's Meadows. Bail Bonds. No, we... we oh, well, J.M. Bell Realty is who <laughs> took care of us. And, uh, yeah, he was, like, the local realtor there. But we'd always go down to the Big Walnut Creek and hang out down there. It's good times. Ride your bike down there and get all kind of mischief. Mm-hmm. 1980. It was, a little stand-by-me style. Yeah, we'd bike ride. We were our bikes, you know, the whole trademark stuff, come back when, the, you know, the lights come on, that kind of a thing. Nice. Ride that bike everywhere. Very nice. What was young Kevin Ackley up to? Let's see. Riding a mini bike a lot in 1980. Um, going over to my friend's house a lot. And uh, I almost brought it tonight. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. Um, I, I need to plan ahead and I'll bring it when I know you guys can get here a few minutes early so we can ride it. Sweet. Before Sweet. Podcast. That'd so. be awesome. Um, so riding a mini bike, riding bikes with friends, going down to my friend's house and playing like a lot of wiffle ball. A lot of wiffle ball games. Oh yeah, and uh, wiffle ball times. A lot of, a lot of uh, tag football. Sometimes tackle football in the backyard with my friends as well. Yeah. So it's kind of like you know you're almost getting to that point where you got to grow up, but not quite yet. Not yet. Yeah. So about what grade? I would have been uh, freshman. I would have been eighth grade going into freshman. Okay. Later that year. Hmm. Yep. Nice. What about you, Rob? Uh, I would have been the back half of eighth grade going into the ninth grade. So just becoming a teenager and just learning everything as I went. I had a paper route back then, so I was doing that first thing in the morning. I remember going to spending a lot of my days in the summer at Twin Towers Swimming Pool in Grove City, which is no longer there. 
but it was a great pool. Always had music playing. It was kind of like a scene out of Stranger Things, like a pool scene. Yeah. Definitely reminds me of the pool experience in Grove City back then. So Very good. Nice. That was it. Going into high school as a little fella, I was about uh, five foot four. I grew five inches. Wow. Before Christmas. You were becoming a man that <laughs> yeah. year. I got that late spurt, man, but there I was. Five nine. <laughs> Strapping one five foot yeah, that's nine. Generous. I was probably one twenty. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it was good days. Good days. So we're going to take this year in nineteen eighty. We're going to talk all about news and pop culture events, music, etc. So we're going to take a break right now, and we'll be right back talking all about how we remember nineteen eighty. Thank you for listening to Living in the Eighties. We want to take this opportunity to thank all of those that helped make this possible. First and foremost. We want to thank Spotify for Podcasters for providing this platform, as well as Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, and about a dozen others. We also want to give a special thank you to Star1079.com and Roundtown Radio, where you can hear this podcast weekly. Also, be sure to check us out on our Facebook page, Living in the 80s. Most of all, we want to thank you for listening. Welcome back to Living in the 80s. Uh, 1980. It was a great year. I mean, we were finally dumping the funk of the 70s. Disco was <laughs> dying. We were moving on. Like we talked about before, like we are coming of age as, as kids. You know, yeah. we're becoming not children, we're evolving into to yeah, we, late, we late kids. kids. Kid drum in middle schoolish, high school. We're 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 getting there. So yeah, 1980 news stories in the news. We'll start with snowball. Have you guys ever heard of the triple six fix? No. Okay. I think you're going to tell us. I'm going to tell you about the triple six fix. All right. I hope so. Right. I'm curious. So the Pennsylvania lottery had the daily numbers. And you had these seven guys, they all conspired to rig the numbers. Well, how are you going to rig the numbers on a lottery? I mean, it's the old put the ping pong ball in there with a number, you know, they pop up. What they did was they weighted all of the balls except for the numbers four and six. So you only had eight possible combinations. So these guys went all around the state and placed a bunch of bets. And it all it came up 666 actually was the number that came up. But what alerted authorities was there was a huge swing in the uh, purchase of tickets with those numbers. Ah. Yeah. Hmm. All of a sudden, everybody's playing every combination of four and six. So actually, these guys would have each won $1.2 million, but instead, they got to spend a little time in jail. So Interesting. Yeah, they all work for the lottery. The one guy was like a local weatherman that, you know, was the voice and, you know, the number would pop up and he'd say, six. <laughs> it was him, huh? Yeah, wow. he went in wow. and he uh, he basically did a quick switcheroo of the ping pong balls and there you have the triple six. So fix. was his plan to have somebody else go and like say that it was their ticket? Because clearly when yes. he shows up, right. it would be like, yeah. oh yeah. wow, the commissioner, the, the, the announcer is the one that won? That would. There were that two like, guys oh. that worked directly with the show. And then there were five other guys that were out purchasing the tickets. Okay. So, okay. Wow. Crazy. Huh. Didn't work out very well. There was one person that actually had the correct numbers, and they did pay out. He got everything. Nice. Yeah. So but I bet that was scrutinized closely, wasn't it? 
Is there any connection at all with these people? Right? I mean, yes, I'm sure. I'm sure. Hmm. Pretty cool. Matty Ice. Uh, 1980, I'm just going to go with a debut of a very famous toy, the Rubik's Cube. Hmm. It came out Goodness. in 1980 in, uh, in May of that year. There is one. I've got in one in, in members only studio. In and it is studio. not solved. Shocking. Of course not. I could never <laughs> figure it out. Yeah, it. it uh, and what's crazy is that game, so it's what? It's 43 years old, and they, they still, even today, do contests mm-hmm. of solving the, the Rubik's Cube. And what's amazing is, I mean, I, I can do, I can solve one side in, you know, seconds. I can begin I can, one side. Yeah. And, there, and I've gotten two before, but I've never, I've never solved it. And then you watch these kids, man, they'll, they'll, they'll look at it, and then they'll blindfold them themselves, and they don't solve it in like nine seconds. Or, or, or they'll have two of them in their hands, and they'll, you know, without be blindfolded, and then they could do it with one hand in each hand and solve it. And I'm going, I don't even get it. I can't. I, can't. I mean, that just blows me away. My youngest son, I'm not going to say he's a genius, because he's not. Love you, son. He's, a, he's five, six years old. He can solve it in a couple minutes. Really? Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's not crazy. me, man. Not me. So there was someone at Brooks School, our daughter's school, college, who was on the local news because he was on a pogo stick <laughs> while he was solving it. And I got someone with too much time on their hands. A little bit, a little so a few so years it was, ago... It was a Christian college. So, yeah. So somebody sitting around solving it, and he's like, hold my milk. That's right. <laughs> hold my juice box. So a few years ago, Brooke just stumbled across one. I had it in a drawer or whatever, and she, she was moving it around, and that wasn't good enough. She wanted to know how to do it. If you go online and watch YouTube, right. there's a distinct pattern. Yeah, and, and, I have, and I still can't get it. And she, she memorized that pattern, and, and now she can just kind of like almost like mindlessly just, yeah. just do it. And so it takes her maybe a minute or less, but oh, it's geez. just... Blows my mind. My brain doesn't work. I, that's about how long it takes me to get one side. Right. Yeah, me too. That's about it with my son. Yeah, he just learned, and from there on, it's just okay. Yeah, and show me look at it. Okay. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, it is amazing. I feel yeah. dumb when I see people do it so fast. Nineteen eighty. Yeah. There you go. Oh, that's amazing. Kevin. What about you? Oh, I have two, and I feel like if I pick the wrong one, and you're not gonna pick the other one, I'm gonna feel really bad that we didn't cover this news story. But we'll get them at the end of whatever we didn't get. Three M. Yes. Began selling the post-it notes. Yes. Invented by? Romy and Michelle. Romy and Michelle. That is correct. That is the correct answer. No, actually it was Arthur Fry and Spencer Silver. So well, it was not Romy. Romy and Michelle. It sounds like they're inventors. Yeah. Arthur and Spencer. Arthur and Spencer. Yeah, yeah. I am a huge proponent of the post-it note. Yeah. I love a good post-it note. So when they tried to market this, they said, they said, okay. how do, yeah, there you go. You got post-it notes right there. notes for tonight. <laughs> <laughs> they were trying to come up with something super adhesive and failed so badly that it just barely sticks a little bit. And it, it it's just funny how something that isn't the intended invention works out. And I remember seeing that story, I think some new show, 16 Minutes or something like that, where they gave these post-it notes to secretaries. And they just started sticking them all over the place, you know. This is before, you know, everyone had PCs or whatever. And they just became popular because it was like so easy to use. And now yeah. you just, now they're all, you know, everybody's got post-it notes now, wow. right? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, my, my boss uh, hates them because, like, he'll say, put that in counter. And I'm, I'll always, we'll put it on a post-it note. And I'll put the post-it note on my, on my, you know, at the bottom of my computer. You know, so he, he just... It, that's the joke now. Did you post a note? Yeah, it's posted. But I, just, <laughs> I, I always got like seven or eight post yeah. notes on the bottom. Across the bottom, yeah. yeah. Wow. 
drives him insane. <laughs> so yeah. I will say, kind of not not the biggest news event, but Ted Turner launches CNN in 1980. Wow, huge. did that change things or what? It did. It, to that point, there weren't specific niche channels. Our cable system would be like TBS or WGN or things like that. But now this is one channel dedicated totally to news. And then later on we get like ESPN dedicated to sports and so on and so forth. MTV, MTV just dedicated to music. Every special interest has got its own network now. Well, and, and before then I remember you know, news was at 11 o'clock at night, 6 o'clock at night. And yeah. You know, May, I don't even know if I even had news in the morning. Noon. You had a noon or show. maybe at noon. But I remember thinking, they're going to have news. Yeah, there's not that many stories. What, who, what are they going to talk about? They're going to say the same thing over. And over. You know, it was just, it was almost mind numbing to think they could find something to talk about. And what are how many news channels are there now? There's 24 oh, hours. So and the many. thing is, what you started to find was we started to hear stuff from around the world, right? Yeah. Because you're going to hear stories of what's happening overseas in the middle of the night or whatever. So it's crazy. Kind of expanded the globe to us, right? That was, so. that was a game changer. Or yeah. you get creative and you make up news stories. Well, it depends. Some, some, yeah. yeah. It happens. Yeah. I've gotten better at that over the so years. So I have to correct myself. ESPN was out a few months before CNN. Oh, wow. So ESPN would really? been the first. So ESPN was? Was the trailblazer. Yeah, okay, good. Yeah. Next, Snowball, you are our local fashion guru. You're the most interested in fashion. And I'm sure as a young person in 1980, you were the peak of fashion in your classroom. Okay, it's fifth grade. It's sixth grade. Yeah. It, I'm not going to call myself the peak of fashion at that point. But I do have a picture to share oh, from the sixth grade. Do it. I was maybe stuck just a little bit in the 70s still at that point. We've got a nice silk. Yes. Uh, oh, look yes. at that feathered hair. Wow. Look at that, that shirt. Yes. Like you're going to the disco. Oh, I was I was ready for the disco. We now your a, hair looks red Dude, what, what, that doesn't, what grade is that? Because that looks kind of... Sixth grade. Sixth grade. I don't know if that was 80 for you. Was so it? I noticed he's got the necklace on. Uh-huh. Yeah. He got like the little braided necklace or whatever. Yeah, you didn't post last week's picture on I'm the sorry. thing. Well, you need to post them <laughs> side by side. Age progression. Awesome. It is. That is. I say it's brave. You're, you're just a young snowflake then. I yeah. was. We got roses on there. We've got some geometric shapes. It's kind of a tan and brown and gray. That very uh, much looks like a shirt you would have seen in Saturday Night Fever. Right. It does. It, it's, yep. it's buttoned. It's, it's, it's wide it's, open with the collar. The so. collar is so huge. the 70s, we're, we're still having some of yeah. that oh, rippling yeah. effect from mm-hmm. the 70s. Yeah. And nobody pointed out. I believe that's my first pimple on my chin. Oh, here we <laughs> go. Nice. Pops up the day of school picture. Absolutely. Like, are you yeah. I had one about that same place as a freshman. Yeah. See, yeah. I, I don't think we. I wore necklaces probably until maybe maybe late junior high. Maybe I rocked a necklace. I might have. I might have had one or two back then. I'm not sure. That's pretty good. Right. 1980. I'm. I'm wearing. Uh, I'm. I'm still. You know, fifth grade, sixth. I'm wearing Wranglers and jeans and t-shirts and ball caps and. Uh, off-brand generic shoes. Uh, I don't think I got anything cool till probably seventh grade when like footwear. Um, 
Yep. Not nothing. Nothing really to speak of there. Probably. On I the mean, freshers. we're kids. We're Mom, kids. We're, we're getting Sears. Mom's going to Sears, Kmart. Okay, thanks, Mom. Yeah. Well, and I and I wore a lot of hand me downs too. My, oh, yeah, that's true. So I had three older brothers, so just about everything I wore has been worn already. In the seventies. Yeah, and, and yeah. I, I I tell you, a shirt I did have that that I wore a lot that I loved was, um, and it was my older brothers. It was that. Uh, keep on trucking shirt. There's oh, yeah. you, know, you know what I'm talking about? I love the keep I, on trucking. I had that. I wore those back. I wore the crap out of that shirt. And then also, uh, my brother, my brother had wore his in the '70s, and, and I end up getting a pair, but a pair of Earth shoes. And oh, they, wow. the, the sole, the sole is like about that thick, like a couple inches thick. But the the bottom of it was wavy. Oh, like that. yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, like yeah. Tan, yeah, they were yeah. tan mm-hmm. yeah. or whatever. And yeah, earth shoes. And those were the coolest things. Were those at church? Yes, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. So what uh, what, 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 what you got there, Kev? Oh, he's got a little picture of himself when he's a little kid. That's awesome. I like your dad's snow chop. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he, that, that was he has some great chops. Wow. Yeah, I see that. Love it. <laughs> All right, so, uh, uh, Kevin, what's your fashion sense of 1980? So it was about the same as the years prior and the coming years. I still didn't have much. Uh, I think would it be true to say that you started trying to care about the way you look because you wanted to kind of get girls to mm. notice yep. you. Yeah, At yeah. some point, you had to start caring. At this point, I was still like combing hair straight down, wetting it in the morning, just combing it straight down, and it's kind of had that little wave to it. Uh, I was still wearing <laughs> bell Mike's bottoms. La- Mike's laughing. Not with you. He's laughing at you. Oh right yeah, because clearly he already <laughs> cared about it. Yeah. yeah, in the sixth grade, yes. Yeah. Um, and and I remember my brother making fun of me when, when he was like seven. He's like mm-hmm. making fun of the clothes I wore. He's seeing old pictures of me. And I'm like seven year olds are making fun of you. <laughs> That's very sad. Is making fun of me. So and and it, you know he's he's all about fashion. He was from a little a, a young age. So but I was still wearing bell bottoms. It wasn't like the seventies. And I'm like okay, I can't wear bell bottoms right, anymore. I'll right. still wear them. I don't think I knew there were bell bottoms until a few years later, and I look back at pictures. I'm like, oh, those things are flaring yeah. big time. Well, all the other kids are wearing them too, so it didn't yeah. Matter. And I was like, I couldn't see my shoes. I'm like, yeah. that's a bell bottom. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Were, were they bell bottoms or were they more of a boot cut? They might. I'd like to say they were boot cut. Yeah. I wasn't wearing boots. <laughs> I was wearing some off-brand tennis shoe. I remember having a pair of jeans in like late elementary or in sixth grade where. There was like a, I'm trying to explain it right, but on, on the, the seam on the side of your pants, it was like a braided denim, like three mm. straight. It would go all the way down the side. Oh, wow. Nice. <laughs> that was great. That's great. I remember that. Yeah, I, I think at that time I was still getting shoes from like Tom McCann. It mm. wasn't like getting brand right. name shoes at this point. I was still going into Tom yeah. McCann and having. So I, of course, was wearing Levi's. <laughs> but wow, really? it, I think it's probably like the beginning of my freshman year, probably when I started wearing the name brand, like the Levi's jeans. Before that, I was wearing plain pockets. Mm. J.C. Penney made plain pockets. who kind of looked a lot like Levi's, but not quite. Mm. So that's what I was wearing prior to that. And Chuck Taylor's was my shoe of choice then, probably from 7th grade on up to ninth grade. Different black ones, white ones, low tops, high tops, you know. Had several of those. And then later on my freshman year, I went to the, the Nike, the blue leather Cortez that yeah. we talk about. Baseball shirts, yeah. uh, three-quarter length sleeves, football jerseys, uh, sports team shirts a lot. I remember I had this Tony Dorsett 
jersey, knockoff jersey, but number thirty-three on it. That's right. Mm-hmm. So I would thought it was pretty cool with that one. I would sometimes maybe wear a polo shirt. Uh, I think I might have had one or two that I wore, but I wouldn't wear them to school because I had to wear them to church. So I wore stuff like that then. I do remember like adults or more fashionable people. I think that's where I first started seeing dress jackets with like, shirts and ties, mm-hmm. with jeans and maybe like some Nikes. Like, I think of watch the Billy Joel still rock and roll to me video. Like that's what I think of at that time period is like being cool fashion in the eighties. So. That was that. Very cool. Okay, memorable trends of 1980 that that kind of stick out to you guys. So a trend that I remember, and I don't know how this was outside of where you know Columbus, Ohio, but walkathons seemed to be a big trend, right? Yeah, that was kind of like a fundraiser. They had different athons. They had a rockathon one time where I think he rocked in a chair mm-hmm. for a certain oh, amount yeah, of time. You did yeah. that stuff all the time. Yeah, didn't so you? yeah, it was like the, the trend was go out and ask people for money to sponsor you for. Certain however many miles you're going to walk yep. or whatever, and you walk up to ten miles, and you know someone might give you a quarter of a mile or whatever. So yeah, yeah. We, we did that a lot. That's yeah. good. Yeah, that was, that was a good how trend. we hit our ways to like church camps and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's a good one. How about you, Matt. Um, I just remember back then we had a lot. Like at, I was in Hampton Township, Hampton Meadows, and we had like a community fair for like Fourth of July, and just a community festivals, and they just. They stopped, I, I, I think in, in the, I want to say late 80s, early 90s, they just stopped for, for years. And, I, and I, now they start back, it was Zucchini Festival. Oh, yeah. But back then it was like we had to dunk tanks and a whole, you know, it was just, it was like a big summer, you know, a, a week you know, a week party around 4th of July. We have all-star games, all our leagues. But I mean, it was Did just. you play them? Absolutely. Of course. Uh, but I mean, it was just—I uh, remember growing up, looking forward to that that week in, in July every year, you know. But then it just—it just stopped, hmm. and that was kind of a—I mean, it's obviously you know, community gatherings are like a trend. But growing up, that was that was the thing we kind of always looked forward to every year. It's, pretty it, cool. it, yeah. it's sad because you get the people that really believed in it were behind that kind of stuff, into like aging out of it, yeah. getting older. Yeah, no one stepped in to take the spot. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, man, that was a popular thing. People loved it. Very true. So yeah, gotcha. Um, snowball. What's a trend you remember from 1980? Well, the number one selling car in 1980 was the Oldsmobile Cutlass. It was the third year in a row that it was the number one car in America. At that time, the base price was $6,700, and it got 20 miles to the gallon. Wow. I had a 78 Cutlass. Yeah, it was, it was like in 1988. But sure. It was pretty sweet, fast. Yeah. Good looking car. Cool car, yeah. Yeah. My Cutlass. Um, some trends I remember, um, video game rooms were becoming quite popular. Like, prior to this, you know, there were video games around, but they started, I think, in my mind, best that I remember it, is that you started seeing game rooms like Aladdin's Castle pop up. Mm. So listen to, uh, Joel's podcast, Living in the Shade of an 80s Arcade, and we talked on there last week about our memories of game rooms. I, you know, I brought up Aladdin's Castle, was really popular at Northland, Eastland, Westland Malls. Went to Fantasia, which was mm-hmm. over at Southland Mall and Putt Putt. So we'd go to these places, and, and these places you know, cost nothing for a person to buy space in a shopping mall, let this company come in, put their video games everywhere. You split quarters with them at the end of the day, 
I mean, they're they're making money hand over fist. Mm-hmm. So those those were something I remember a lot back then. Roller skating was popular. I think it was kind of that roller disco thing was fading out. People were still going to the skating rinks. Oh, for I remember sure, yeah. going to like church skating parties and school skating parties, and those were pretty big. Uh, Sony Walkman portable cassette players. People were starting to use those, whether the, they were the real deal or not. People, right. were, you know, they were there. Watch the show Freaks and Geeks. It takes place <laughs> takes place in the fall of 1980 and the winter of 81. So right in this time period, and just and they do a very good job of that time frame. And one of the episodes is one of the characters' father uh, buys him an Atari. And the other mm-hmm. kids in the neighborhood are like, oh, I'm yeah. sorry. And they were so excited, and they were over there constantly playing the games and mm-hmm. stuff. So that very well brought me back to that time frame. Yeah, the kid whose dad bought him an Atari, I think he's a dentist, right? So yeah, he yeah. had a little bit more money than everybody oh, else. Yeah. So, yeah. so he's kind of like the rich kid that gets all the Absolutely. new fun toys. Yes. Yeah, I, Oh, that's a great show. That's yeah. such a good show. Yeah. You're the one that told me about that. I've watched it through twice. Which <laughs> I wish it had been it is epic. longer. Yeah. I wish it had more seasons, but man, all, so, all of them had such great careers. They just had to go and do other things. Oh yeah. So in that same vein, have you seen the movie Super Eight? No, and you've mentioned that yeah. to me. I need too. to see it that. It takes place right around that same time. I think it, it kind I've of feels that. like maybe they maybe borrowed a little just because of the way some of the characters are. Mm. Uh, maybe it's kind of like a combination of that and Stand By Me and E.T. kind of all rolled up into one really cool movie, Steven Spielberg. Uh, so, yeah, check that out. I will. Chance. So now we're going to go on to favorite TV shows. So we've got our list there. Uh, Matt, you want to give us the top five TV shows of 1980 there? 1980 top five TV shows was number five, The Love Boat. Number four, M.A.S.H. Number three, 60 Minutes. Number two, The Dukes of Hazard. Yeah. And number one, Dallas. So, Matt, what were you, 1980, TVs on, what do you want to watch? I'll tell you the show that came on in 1980 that I could not wait to watch every week was That's Incredible. Mm. Oh, Dude, yeah. that show rocked. Uh, oh, crap. Name slip. Fran Tarkenton? Fran Tarkenton. And, Kathy Lee Crosby. John, not John Schneider. It was uh, John John Davidson. John Davidson. Yes, yes John Davidson. Good job. Uh, they, that was to me. It was like one of the first. I mean, right now there's all of these talent shows and all. I mean, every yeah. time you turn on a, a TV show, right now you're gonna see some kind of a reality show, and this was like where it all began. I mean, this was they had people, you know, doing stunts and dares and triumphs of you know the original stupid human it's the original stupid human was and it was so and they would their catchphrase after a thing would happen and they go that's incredible the studio audience yes i mean it was fantastic and you may remember you may remember uh, a young boy by five years old was brought on the show eldrick woods and he was uh showing how he could put um the ball into a cup at the age of five and we all know he later uh, changed his name to Tiger. Yeah. So he started on Dagon. That's incredible. Yeah. Very Pretty cool. cool stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. But you, Michael. That's not uh, as cool as That's Incredible. I bet you right now it's not as cool. Uh, as different cool. Strokes. Pretty big show no, at that okay. time. It was. Yeah, it was. Always enjoyed it. Good time. What else you want me to say? Well, that the, the, the show was cursed Willis. and everybody died on it. <laughs> Except for Willis, <laughs> Except who for had Willis. the most. Drug problem is the true. most legal trouble at that time. He yeah. lives on. 
terrible. Yeah, they had some, uh, he had the catchphrase. What you talking about, Willie? And they also had some great guest stars on there. Was it Magic Johnson was on there one time? Uh, they had Reggie Jackson, Andrew okay. Dice Clay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, yeah, Janet Jackson on there. Yeah. She was Willis's girlfriend. Yeah, she was. Yeah, Good yeah. for Willis. Good for Willis. Yeah. Good show. Yeah, I, I like that show. How about Kevin? Uh, Bosom Buddies. Oh, wow. I forgot about Tom that. Hanks, Peter Scolari, and I kept, I remember, I kept telling my friends, I said, this this Tom Hanks guy is going to be big. I kept big. telling people, no one believed me. I said, this guy's going to be big. huge. He might even do a movie called Big. I said, just wait. No, I'm just kidding. I had no idea. No idea that he would become such a huge star. No idea. But man, that was uh yeah, I always I don't know what it was about that show. Maybe Donna Mills, I don't know. But um yeah, I just, Donna Mills. Donna I, Mills. I, I just, she was hot I, something about that show yeah. I liked and I just I don't know, the concept was kinda of funny to me. They yeah. they couldn't afford rent anywhere except for that one place and have to be an all women's uh Dorm, dorm, dorm yeah, yeah. And, and so they dressed up as women to get in there, and, and you know, the girls ran on it, and kind of kept it a secret from you know. shenanigans ensued. Yeah, so good stuff. Uh, didn't last long, but I, I always liked that show. But then it was brought back on another network after Hanks started getting a little bit of success in mm-hmm. movies. So I don't remember which network it went to, but yeah. And I good. do want to mention one other thing about uh, you mentioned Mash in the top five, uh, in. Uh, and Mash, what oh, the character's name? Just uh, Jamie Farr is from mm-hmm. Toledo. Toledo. And I was up in Toledo uh, a few weeks ago with with some friends, and we, yes, we went to Tony Paco's. Yeah. Mm, so, yeah. so they they mentioned that. a few times. Uh, do you have a signed hot dog on the wall? I don't have a signed a hot, hot dog bun. Yeah. yeah. yeah I I'm do not. They didn't know it. You kind of played it low that you were a celebrity. It was years ago. Okay. Before you were famous for the <laughs> yes. podcast. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So the the tradition was started by Burt Reynolds. He'd went in there and they asked for an autograph and he signed a bun. Right. And of course, over time, it started to disintegrate. It kind of started to trend. Moldy. <laughs> yeah. It, and it, they said the original's long gone. But so then they started making these styrofoam. Hot dog buns, okay. and people would sign them. They put them in cases on the so wall. Cool so. To see. Yeah. yeah, so it was neat. So. Rob, your show. So <laughs> for me, I remember this very clearly because I was a, I was kind of a fan of Saturday Night Live. Uh, I was watching it when I was allowed to, when I could sneak and watch. Because mm-hmm. that was late at night. It was. I I love watching Mr. Bill and like you know Chevy <laughs> Chase and all those guys. But in 1980, a show debuted on ABC called Fridays. So this was ABC's answer to Saturday Night Live. And uh, it was a little edgier. Uh, to me, it was a lot funnier. Um, SNL was kind of going, it was kind of on the downside. We had people like uh, uh, Dan Aykroyd, John Belushi had gone, Chevy Chase had gone. Um, the, the replacements were these nobodies that really weren't, weren't that good. So you get Fridays come along, and and so it debuted on April 11th, 1980. And just for example of how SNL was kind of going downhill, the musical guest on Fridays was Kenny Loggins. Hmm. The musical guest the next night on SNL was Ann Murray. Mm. So What's wrong with Ann Murray? Uh, well, it kind of passed her time. I, mean, I know she had a... <laughs> 
daydream, daydream believer remake but, in the but 80s. She but she still was at no point ever cutting edge hip. No, Something exactly. that teenage... Like, this is stuff your mom would listen to. Right, right. And so for the next few weeks, Fridays comes along with, like, the Boomtown Rats, The Clash, Warren Zevon, Devo, Tom Petty. Like, these guys wow. are on Fridays. And the comedy, like I said, was edgy. Like, the first SNL... Or the first Friday's skit was called Fridays Will Not Be a Saturday Night Live Clone. And the characters are dressed up like the Bumblebee, the Coneheads, <laughs> the Blues Brothers. They're just like, SNL, bring it. We're going to outfunny you. And they did every freaking week. Yeah. Uh, it lasted three seasons. You can catch some of them now on Shout Factory TV. But just check that old stuff out. Very good. That's where Michael Richards got his start. Larry David uh, had got his start on there. The, the cast was great. Check it out. I mean, you guys, that was the show. I really thought I was cool because I watched that show. Yeah, check out Fridays. I think you guys will, if you haven't seen it, check it out. You'll like it. It's very much very good 80s time capsule there. So There you go. All right. Uh, next, uh, Snowball, talk to us about the uh, top five movies of 1980. Okay, the top five movies. Number five was Any Which Way You Can. I saw that as a kid. Probably shouldn't have seen it at that age, but <laughs> Clint Eastwood was the star of that movie. Then you have the classic Airplane at number four. Number three, saw this one, probably shouldn't have seen it either, Stir Crazy, <laughs> with Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder. And number two was Nine to Five. And the number one movie of 1980, The Empire Strikes Back. Not a bad list. So what about you? What were you watching? I would say one of my favorite movies was Urban Cowboy. Sissy, get out of here, bud. I mean it. I gotta talk to you. I just want to tell you something. I'm hard-headed. And I'm prideful. And I want to apologize clear back to when I hit you the first time. I love you, sissy. I love you, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Bud and sissy. That made my list, too. Yeah, great movie, great soundtrack, even if you're not a country fan. Surprisingly, that movie was only number 31 in 1980. Wow, that's, that is surprising because yeah. it was so... I had to go back and look twice. I, re, I, I Googled it again. I, I, my theory hearing that would be that it had a season that was strong. And then when once that season hit, that one, two-month run, it just boom, fell right off. Yeah. Kind of like country music did in the 80s. It was really big, crossing over to pop, and then boom. Never heard from it again. MTV came along and killed it. For those who haven't watched Urban Cowboy, it stars John Travolta and Deborah Winger. And Mechanical like, Bulls, Gillies. Yes. He's going to be an oil rigger. Yes. And he, he had to, wants had to become to, a cowboy. Had the accent and everything. He wants to get him a cowgirl. Sissy, come here. So Pam or Sissy? Oh, Pam. Sissy. Really? Pam was okay, but Sissy. Oh. Sissy was more real. Matt? Mm, I have never seen Urban Cowboy. Really? Oh wow! You miss somebody. It's, it's it's your homework to see that movie. Yeah, if nothing it's, else, it's, it's, it's got an incredible cheese factor. You'll appreciate. It. Yeah, I, I wonder if Dinah's ever seen that because that could be a, a date night. Somewhere. There it is. Oh, it is. Um, it is. No, and when you're it. done, you're going to be like, "Why didn't we ever think of that?" And what I'm talking about is in the movie, he has a pickup truck in the back. <laughs> window of the pickup truck. One has a license plate that says Bud, and the other side has a license plate that says Sissy. So, so Mike and Misty have that same thing going on in the back of his Acura. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, check it out. 
All right, Kevin, what about you? My movie has to be Airplane. Can you fly this plane and land it? Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, sorry. So, okay. I, so I've watched that so many times, and I just learned something within la the last month or so. I was <laughs> talking to my neighbors, John and Mary, fans hmm. of the week. Fans of the week. Fans of the week. Fans of the week this John week. And John and Mary. Yeah. Worthington, Ohio. And they were you. telling me that Airplane is a parody of a movie from, I think, 1969 called Zero Hour. Huh? And they're saying, yeah, we, we watch this on, on every, every once in a while we watch it. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta watch this. That night I went home and watched it on uh, Amazon Prime. It was free, believe it or not. Hmm. That wasn't like a fourteen ninety nine rental. It was, Shock. I think, it was a dollar ninety nine rental. That then it just said free. <laughs> I think they felt bad taking my money. <laughs> Please, somebody watch this thing. And the movie is about a guy named Ted Stryker, who <laughs> is a former war vet who had a, a bad incident where his his group got killed in battle, and he's never been on a plane since, and his wife's going to leave him. And take their kid, and he goes on the plane to try to convince her to stay. Everyone gets sick, and he has to fly the plane. Does that sound familiar? It is Sounds the plot sure of airplane. <laughs> so what happened was, it, this is almost like before Mystery Science Theater. It's like I'm imagining Zucker, Abrams, and Zucker got together. They're making fun of this movie. They said, we've got ourselves a movie. They bought the rights to this movie so they wouldn't get sued. And they <laughs> use line for line... <laughs> No I mean, way. line for line. Oh, There's a part when the doctor on the plane says, what happened? And he said, well, some people had meat and some people had fish. And he's like, oh, yes, I had the, the meat or whatever. And, and airplane, he's like, oh, yes, I had the lasagna. Or, <laughs> or there's a scene where the lady starts getting hysterical and a lady goes up and is shaking her and telling her to calm down. And somebody goes, I'll handle this. And he like pulls her aside. He kind of starts shaking her. They did that exact same scene in an airplane, except there's like five or six other people lined up to oh shake this lady. Oh it's just, uh, and if you go out on YouTube and look for a zero hour and airplane, it, it's it's like 25, 30 minutes long of scene after scene oh, where they've. It's it's awesome. It's it's fantastic. Was, so I did, never did uh, Barbara Billingsley talk jive in the original. That's one thing that didn't happen. But <laughs> wow. but like for instance, the scene where they're looking for a doctor on a plane. It's like I think the man next to me is a doctor. It's like excuse me, sir, are you a doctor? He goes, that's right. That's what he says in Airplane 2, except he's got his stethoscope in his ears. You know? right. so, uh, but Kareem is uh, not in. However, a former football player is the co-pilot. His, his name was something Crazy Legs. He had just retired. Crazy Legs Hirsch? Uh, Leroy? Leroy? Leroy uh, I think it might be. Yeah. So he's the, he's the, uh, the uh, co-pilot. My dad says you're yeah, hustle back on defense. <laughs> <laughs> so, and oh, the whole scene with the kid coming to the cockpit yeah, like, hey naked? Johnny have you ever been in a cockpit I've never been in a plane before he hands him an airplane and then the wow. scene kind of ends there he doesn't go in to ask him if he's ever been in a Turkish prison or right. seen a, <laughs> like movies about gladiators yeah. scene oh, wow. after scene after scene it's fantastic and so we watched Zero Hour one night and watched Airplane the next and we just got a whole new appreciation for it because it's I it is have to do absolute that. parody now, and see, it's fantastic my mind because I didn't know that I thought it was parodies of Airport 75 and 76, yeah. Towering Inferno. Just ex disaster movies. Disaster a parody movies. of disaster movies, yeah. yeah. Wow, good to know. It's, That's interesting. It, it's, What's it, it called again? Zero Hour. Zero Hour. And nice. he's even Ted Stryker. And they, they have someone come in. They, they, they call someone in to like help talk him down. And the guy says, in Zero Hour, looks like I picked the wrong week to stop smoking cigarettes. Which no they kidding. say in an airplane. And then it's like, 
picked her on with to stop sniffing glue and taking barbiturates. <laughs> yeah. So they just take it like a stump for her. But yeah, it's, it's, wow. It's fantastic. That's great. I'm going to have to do classic. it. Classic. What about you, Matt? Another classic. I'll just go with Caddyshack. Oh, this is the worst looking hat I ever saw. Well, you buy a hat like this, I bet you get a free bowl of soup, huh? Oh, it looks good on you, though. You want a hamburger? No, a cheeseburger. I want a hot dog. I want a milkshake. I want potatoes. You'll chips. get nothing and like it. I mean, oh, can't yeah. go wrong with Caddyshack. I mean, and it's it's still kind of the spoof kind of a feel. I mean, I, I mean, Air, Airplane probably was one of my favorite movies from the uh, from 1980. Uh, but man, I just love. I don't know if you've heard of this guy named Ted Knight. Have you ever heard of him? Here he is, quite the actor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it always gets old, doesn't it? Set him up and knock him down. Yeah, that's. Uh, yeah, it's just a great, uh, great show. Uh, I mean, just the, with golf is theme, Ted Knight, and uh, I mean, it's just, it's just so fun. Bill Murray, Chevy Chase, everybody, Rodney Dangerfield. It's, it's having the the golf club shoot up out of the yeah, you know, and play I mean, it any way you want it. But it's I, just, I was yeah. gonna say the same yeah. thing. That's <laughs> a lot that of my because he just let's party and the way he's dancing, man, <laughs> kind of like the way he was doing the triple indie. Yeah, so exactly. Very similar. Same very right. similar. Classic movie. Classic. Well, that was going to be mine. Mm. Urban Cowboy, also on my list. Wow. Uh, the Empire Strikes Back is one that at that time I was so super excited about. Liked it. Good movie. But I'm going to go with Friday the 13th. You're going to camp blood, ain't you? Ralph, get out of here. Go on, get. Leave people alone. You'll never come back again. Oh, shut up, Ralph. It's got a death curse. I got to warn you, you're doomed to stay. I knew you would do it. I got my I Camp Crystal Lake shirt. I yeah. Spoiler alert. I yeah. already knew it. Friday the 13th, we get Jason Voorhees. This is a couple years after the first Halloween movie. So it's starting to become a trend. You know, later on we get Freddy Krueger and some of these other people. But uh, Friday the 13th, great movie. Um, it's one... It scared me to death back then, which is why I appreciated it and liked it, liked it so much. These days, I'll watch it every once in a while. I'm like, oh, you know what? I'll watch Friday the 13th. And it, I get a real feel of nostalgia about it now. It doesn't scare me in the least. Hmm. But it's just very nostalgic. So I appreciate some Friday the 13th. Next, coolest celebrity of 1982. I don't know if he's the coolest, but he is Time's Man of the Year. The Ayatollah Khomeini. Oh my goodness. <laughs> what in the world? The Ayatollah Khomeini of Iran. The coolest celebrity of 1980. Yes, he is. Uh, he was Times Man Ayatollah of the Year. Khomeini. Wow, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Wow, that's shocking. I remember, I remember Weird Al had a song called Ayatollah. Maybe the theme of My Sharona. Oh, Maybe you should play a little bit of that. Lana. Maybe I will. Ooh, you got a real nice beard. A real nice beard. My apologies, that was Chicago DJ Steve Dahl, who you may recall brought us Disco Destruction in Comiskey Park. That was Ayatollah from 1980. Sounded a bit like Weird Al. Hopefully you understand my confusion, I had not heard that song in 43 years. Number one or number two 
on on the the domestic box office highest grossing star of 1980, but he was number three, and that's John Belushi. He just that came. Is a good choice. He just came out of Animal House in 1978, Blues Brothers in 1980, and and he was uh, racking in racking in the money. All right, so the bar's been set so low at this point. I can just throw out any name; it's gonna be better. I'm gonna go with Daisy Duke herself, Catherine Bach. That's a good choice. That's a good one. She was cool. She, she was, was cool. She was hot and cool. She was hot at the cool same, same time. time. <laughs> Do you know who's number one? Box box office from 1980. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a lady from 19, a lady from the 80s. Lady. Deborah Winger. Nope. Nope. Who? Jane Fonda. Okay, she was a nine to five. What else? Nine was she to in? five. Uh, California Suite was in seventy eight. The Electric Horseman in seventy nine. The China what's, Syndrome what's in seventy nine. It's building up, and then in it, it, that's in nineteen eighty, they said she has the biggest box office draw. She is huh. the highest grossing star of nineteen eighty. Basically, because nine to five was in nineteen eighty. Was, was on Golden Pond in nineteen eighty? Kind of feel like it might have been. Might have been. It's not listed. That's a pretty big movie. Yeah. yeah. All right, so Catherine Bach. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rob? So, for me, I originally had John Belushi down. Wow. As Matt is sitting there thumbing through his phone trying to find yeah. something. I had this like two weeks ago in here. John Belushi. But I would say just as cool as John Belushi, I want to go with Bill Murray. There you go. Mm. Bill Murray, super cool. Carl Spackler and Caddyshack yeah. was just comedy genius. Yep. Year before, uh, summer before, summer '79, Meatballs mm-hmm. was out. His stuff on SNL, where he's the lounge singer, like that was good stuff. Yeah. So I would say, just as cool as John Belushi, Bill Murray. Let, let me give you the. They actually have this uh, a star score and a listing and a rating. Uh, number the top ten are Jane Fonda, Clint Eastwood, John Belushi. Number four, Burt Reynolds, Goldie Hawn, Chevy Chase, Alan Alda, huh? Well, Alan Alda, uh, Lawrence Olivier, uh, Chuck Norris, and then John Travolta. Top ten. Wow, yeah, I could get behind Chevy Chase, and I could see the the case for John Travolta. Yeah, because he did quite a bit of stuff. That does it for everything but the music. So if you hang tight, we'll be right back, and we will have our last segment with some of our favorite and least favorite music of 1980. Shall we play a game? Hi, I'm Joel McLaughlin, the most excellent host of Living in the Retro Arcade. If you're into video games from the 70s through current day, this is the show for you. We'll talk about technical aspects of the games as well as memories, the best that we can remember them. That's Living in the Retro Arcade, available on all popular podcast platforms. Welcome back to Living in the 80s. Here we are in our final segment talking about the music of 1980. So, Kevin, why don't you start off giving us the top five songs of 1980, and then we'll discuss. Alrighty. The first one is Snowball's Favorite, Do That To Me One More Time by Captain and Tennille. That is a good song, though, by the way. Oh, brother. (laughs) Number four, Rock With You by Michael Jackson. That is a good song. with you. Number three, <laughs> cutting them off as quickly as I can. As Magic by Olivia Newton-John. Magic. 
you to save the wrong magic song. Is that the wrong one? <laughs> Which one's I that? I think it is You Can Do Magic by... <laughs> oh, I, I'm going to do it. <laughs> That's magic. What's, uh, what's this one you're singing? Magic. I love you, Newton John. Sing it. Sing it. Don't play it. Magic. Sing it. Have to believe we are magic. magic. Nothing can stand in our way. That's it. That's of course, it sounds did. nothing like that. No, but I think we all know what it is. Now. I think you guys improved it a little bit. Thank you. Might have. Number two, Another Brick in the Wall, Part Two by Pink Floyd, and Number One, Call Me by Blondie. Yeah, that's a couple of those are right really there. good. Yeah, that's yeah. a good list. All right, Kevin's. When it comes to you making your list, you got to pick oh, one song out, boy. one and one only. Mm-mm, we can have your also rands later, but go ahead, hit us. Okay, I'm gonna go "Brass and Pocket" by Pretenders. I got brass in pocket. I got battle. I am gonna use it. Intention. It's it's a tough choice to pick one. I have about twenty I wanted to choose from, <laughs> but um, I want to go with Brass and Pocket. Ohio's own Chrissy Hind moved yeah. over to London, got in a band, and that was London, her first. Ohio. She lived in London. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she went from Akron to London, England, not uh, London, okay. Ohio. Oh, okay. Almost as big as London. Almost, yeah, very similar. They're Almost very... as culturally relevant. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, this was their first their first hit. So I also love the video to this song as oh, well. Yeah. I, I first heard this song, I fell in love with it. I'm like, well, it just it just sounded cool. Just yeah, the the way the the guitar and the bass in there, along with her voice, is kind of mm. good stuff. And I never knew what brass and pocket meant. And she said she was over in 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 London, and somebody mentioned they had some brass and pocket, which means some change. And she thought that is such a cool. That's like that's very poetic the way they said that. So yeah. she, brass and pocket. That's that's what she called stuff. She Mike. Well, somebody we really don't talk enough about on Living in the Eighties. Bruce Springsteen, Hungry Heart. Rarely mentioning. I mean, he's one of the top performers of the decade. So I agree, and that is a great song. Yes, it is. I had, well, back then I bought the River album on Columbia House or whatever, but I remember really liking. It. I got it because of that song. Ended up there's several good songs on there. Yeah, good one. But you, Matt? I mean, I'd probably stick with the list. I mean. <laughs> I mean, just like my top, like I, yes, you, there's nothing wrong. With I, that. I like, and it was funny because looking at the looking at the list, call me by Blondie. I thought it was kind of just a cool song, right? This. Call me, yes. Yeah, that was it's like this funny friend thing. Didn't realize it was about hookers, right? And it was a, it was from the movie um, American Gigolo. American Gigolo, and it's it's that it was like this. It was from there, and it was in the scene where they were talking about you know calling these prostitutes. So can we call you anytime. Call me day or night. Yeah, yeah. call so, me. Fun fact yeah. about that song: it was originally offered to Stevie Nicks, who turned it down. Hmm. Really? So yeah, and when uh, they brought it to Blondie. 
they made it more danceable and stuff. But yeah. I, if you can imagine Stevie Nicks singing that, it was probably going to be a little more, a little more sultry, a little sultry, yeah. a little rockier, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, I would love to hear her sing her version of it. Yeah. yeah, I just love Stevie Nicks anyway, so that's a good one. Uh, for me, I'm going to go with another one. Bites the dust by Queen. Mm. That song when it came out my freshman year in high school is our football team's theme that year so they would always play that the band would play that at football games it was on the radio constantly it went to number one and in fact with my hand up today i went to the grocery store walking down the aisles another one bites the dust is playing oh. that confirms what i picked out on this list here so yeah kevin you have some also rings Man, I, it, it was so difficult to, to narrow this down. But one I wanted to go with was In the Cradle Will Rock by Van Halen. Oh, wow. So it was never on the charts, um, so I guess I could have used it as a hidden gem. But talk about a great song from 1980, right? Mm, so yeah. um, kind of set them up for their success throughout the rest of, uh, throughout the, rest of the 80s. Some of my favorites that were that year also, uh, Don't Stand So Close to Me by The Police. Mm, there you was, go. was a great one. I'd first heard the do-do-do-da-da-da, which I loved. And then I heard that one later. I, I remember it was on Casey's Top Ten. He played like a little clip of the video, which I was already figuring out that I liked The Police because I'd only heard that one song. I heard this song, I thought, ooh, that's great. So I looked high and low and finally found the single. Loved that song. Loved it. That could have been my number one that year. Yeah, I remember taping that off of the radio. I had my little, my little recorder right up next to the radio and recording onto a cassette tape. Mm -hmm. The good old days. Yeah, um, yeah that, was, that song was awesome. There's another one I'll talk about here in a little bit. But another brick in the wall, that's one I would have put on there. Call Me. I like that one a lot. Mm -hmm. That was a very good one. So. How about Lady by Kenny Rogers? Anybody got that on their list? <laughs> um, no, I really didn't don't. Make my list. Okay. Yeah. How about a crazy old thing called Love a Queen? Like oh, that's that a, good is a good one. It's a good song. There's okay. a song by Paul McCartney called Coming Up. Oh yeah. Which there's two versions of it. <laughs> the the live one is far superior. By far. Yes. And and coming up, the one that was on the studio album where he's kind of real high pitched. Mm, the synthesizer voice. Yeah. That was huge in in England. Yes, and the producer said that's probably not going to work in the United States, and they did the live version. Paul McCartney didn't like it, but it became a number one hit yeah. here. And I think, and I've heard the other ones like, "Oh, this song's really bad." Coming up live at Glasgow, amazing. Yeah, totally agree. Now my my wrestling song is is was nineteen eighty as well. Hardy tonight by the Eagles. Oh yeah, that was nineteen eighty. Oh yeah, song. yeah, that's that would my, be. That, that's your that's my entrance, entrance music. That's my entrance song. Yeah, yeah. A song I could use as a wrestling thing is going to be our outro song this week. You got to wait to the end to get that. Wait one. that on gotta wait that. to the end. Next, we're going to talk about albums. So, top albums of 1980. Number five, Glass Houses by Billy Joel. 
Number four is Escape by Journey. Number three is probably the worst album of 1980, Guilty by Barbara Streisand. <laughs> Go Babs. Love you, baby. Number two, High Infidelity by Ario Speedwagon. And number one, a little album, little unknown album, Back in Black by ACDC. Great album. Outside of the Barbara Streisand one, that's a powerful group of albums there. Yeah, Escape definitely would be one of my top albums of all time, really. Great album. It is. So is that your album this this week here? It is not my album. It is album. not. Well, do it tell. Is not. Well, do tell. my album of the year is actually a soundtrack. I've never seen this movie. Maybe I should love most of the songs from it. Xanadu soundtrack. The Sweet. album is the best part of the movie. Do not waste <laughs> the any time. The videos are telling me the movie's horrible. That's why I gotta watch it. I don't know. With your taste in some things, you might, might find it. Yeah, he might love I it. I mean, that roller skating scene, <laughs> that just looks epic. I don't roller know. skating scene, it's like half the movie's roller skating. Yeah, <laughs> what is it? Okay, well, the, good. The plot of that movie, best I remember, is that a guy buys a roller disco rink that's not doing well and somehow an angel comes to life and Olivia Newton-John's the angel and, and she, then, she is and then it starts Jesus. doing better but Diana liked this well I, I think I think it had sentimental value to her because she watched it when she was younger and I remember skating around listening to those songs with long braids in my hair and so I was like oh, I'll watch the movie with you it was terrible oh yeah <laughs> and I watched it with, with Brooke our daughter and she I think summed it up perfectly she said I feel like they made this movie just so they could have a chance to sing. And I'm like, that's exactly what it was. It was it was oh, pre it. Oh, yeah. MTV. Yep. This should have just been a bunch of music videos. Mm-hmm. And yep. instead they try to make a movie out of it. Uh-huh. It's, it's so corny. Good I mean, songs though. You got magic. Oh my gosh. The, well, the soundtrack's amazing. Yeah, soundtrack Sud- yeah suddenly with Cliff, Cliff Richard and Olivia Newton John. You've got a bunch of ELO songs. Well, that's just it. Yeah. ELO is what bought it, sold it for me. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And of course, Xanadu with Olivia Newton John and ELO together. So. so, I bought this album in the summer of 1980, and it came out around the time the movie did, obviously. And I, I loved it. Like the ELO, I was just being just being introduced to ELO. Like I kind of knew like Strange Magic and Witchy Woman and stuff. That was 70s. Mm-hmm. It's the 80s now. And so I'm hearing all over the world and going, oh my goodness, this is a great song. And I'm alive. I'm like, oh, these are great songs. And so I really fell in love with it. I couldn't wait to see the movie. Oh, I mm-hmm. can't wait. I mean, I like the Olivia Newton-John song. The song she did with the tubes, very good. And I'm just like, oh, this this is great. But I didn't get to see the movie at the theater. I was disappointed because like, it had come and gone. And so it comes on the movie channel. Ah, oh, Xanadu's going to be on. All right. Oh, my. It was horrific, like you said. That That is just very hard to watch. Yeah. Very hard to watch. Matt, how about you? I, I think I would stick with uh, Back in Black. It's probably, I think, one of the best albums that came out of 1980.
and, and it was crazy because I wasn't like a huge, uh, I wasn't a huge fan back then. I mean, I, b- b- all my friends were. Everyone I hung out with was like, you know, black t-shirts. So this is all I heard. I mean, I, it was it was very, uh, you know, here, again, I'm fifth, sixth grade kind of a thing. But this was, this was like the soundtrack for those years because, you know, Chris Martin, Joe Rain, all those dudes I've run with, uh, them and their older brothers played this re- constantly. So like all, all these songs are just deep and deep and you just get nostalgic. Yeah, you're, I mean, you're, you hear you're it now. Back. It's just it's there. So I mean, I, I even though it, it uh, you know wasn't like a, wasn't an album that I I wasn't big and buying albums back then. But I mean, when I look back at my soundtrack, I mean, geez, Pete, this was this was a lot of it. Pretty you got a favorite song off of that album? Uh, I mean, they, they, they got your, your, your big one. I, I kind of like Hell's Bells. What's yours? Um, I would say Rock and Roll Ain't Noise Pollution. That's your favorite? Yeah. What's yours, Kevin? Back in Black. Back in Black. Mine would be You Shook Me All Night Long. That's probably, that's probably the best. That's the one for me. Kevin, what about you? Whew. Um... You have a hard time picking those. I do. I it is narrowing tough. it down. I'm going to go with High Infidelity by REO Speedwagon. This is why I, I'm like, this might be the one Rob picks. Maybe I shouldn't pick that be. one. Um, but I got a backup. They had some great songs on here. They had Tough Guys, Don't Let Them Go, In Your Letter, and then Take It on the Run and Keep on Loving You. So I, I know Keep on Loving You was a song that the band was against. Kevin Cronin had written it, and and they're like, yeah, I don't know. And then guy stands up, does a little guitar solo, and they're like, Give yeah. me a rich wrath. Like, we can make this work. And so it becomes their num- first number one hit, so... Yeah. One good high infidelity. That's a good one. And I was going to mention when I was talking about other songs, Tough Guys is going to be another one of my favorite songs in 1980. Yeah, yeah. When that intro with Spanking on yeah. Alpha, uh, and if you see them in concert, they play that clip, and then you see Gary Richrath and Kevin Cronin like lip syncing to the different parts. Alpha, Alpha, will you swing me before we have lunch? Sure, darling. Say, Romeo, what about your promise to the He-Man Woman Hitters Club? I'm sorry, Spanky. I have to live my own life. And then they yeah. just go right into the song, which is just amazing. Yeah. So that would that would have been my choice. My next choice is going to be Zenyatta Mandata by the police. The other one I was trying to decide which one should I pick. Which one? (laughs) Right. So you made it easy for me to pick the other one. That was a good one. Again, we talked about me being introduced to the police. This is they had Roxanne was a hit. Message in a Bottle was before this. Listening to Top Forty Radio, you wouldn't be hearing this stuff. Didn't listen to the rock channels where they would play it occasionally. They started playing it more once the other stuff came out. But I became really hooked on the police for the next couple years. Journey Escape 
is another one. Uh, back then, Glass Houses by Billy Joel was another one. Glass Houses was more earlier in the year, so eighth grade. I'm buying these singles and end up buying the album later. Really, really good stuff. So. Yeah, with Zenyatta Mandata, I didn't then. I knew the hits from then, but when in 83, when Synchronicity came out, I went back and started buying everything by the police. And then there were so many other great songs that never played on the radio. Yeah. I was like, oh, I was like, oh my goodness, this album's awesome. So. And some of the best songs I heard were on or album cuts or stuff that didn't make radio play. Yeah, so. yeah. have to mention Double Fantasy. Uh, it's kind of like John Lennon's comeback album. Yeah. It was released right before he was killed. Mm-hmm. And you just wonder, you know, that did so well, what was he going to do? Throughout the '80s, you know, yeah. and uh, it, it's a shame that we never got the lawsuit. I, I find out. I wonder what would have happened if he would have stayed alive. Also, would the Beatles have got back together? Because prior to him dying, I knew him because they started playing him on the radio, but I didn't know him as a Beatle. I would have loved to have seen that. Could they have buried the hatchet? I'm, I'm sure with like what they did for groups like the Who and the Eagles, like get back together, we'll throw all this money at you. The Beatles would have had to go, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we'll yeah. do it. How about the worst song of the year? What's the worst? Worst song? I got a couple here. My first one. I don't know if you guys have even heard of this one, but it's by Neil and his daughter, Dara <laughs> Sadaka. <laughs> yes. Should have never let you go. It's Neil's last top 40 hit. I respected the stuff he did in the 60s. Breaking Up is Hard to Do and Calendar Girl and Happy Birthday Sweet 16, but somehow... This song reached number 20 on the Billboard Hot 100 and was number 76 for the year of 1980. It is terrible. And I'll be honest with you. I never, I don't have no recollection of this song back then. But today, like, I'll listen to Sirius XM. They'll do their countdown shows. Yep. And what they'll do, they'll do a top 40 of any given week, 1980, 81, 82, 83. And every once in a while, this song gets played. The first time I heard it, I thought, this is an awful train wreck, garbage of a song. Like, this is terrible. So you picked a very good, bad song. It is bad. Bad. It's real bad. Kevin was making faces as you were talking about it. I So Sirius XM did a countdown this weekend, as a matter of fact, from 1980. And yeah. it was on, and I'm like, oh, this song's so bad. I'm like, hey, I need to come up with a bad 80s song. I'll write that down. I have another one, but that one was on my very, very, very short list. <laughs> I can give it to you and then go to my next one. Mm-hmm. No, you have to wait because you'll probably steal mine. Uh, okay. Go ahead, Kevin. Pilot of the Airways by Charlie Dore. Don't know that one. That might be a guilty pleasure for me. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? When that song was out, David and Art hated it. And I, I'm, I'm the same way. I'm like, it's not that bad. I get made fun of for that, uh, you know. That's, that's definitely a guilty pleasure. Yeah. You should feel guilty. They didn't, they didn't think Ambrosia was too good either. Oh, really? Yeah. I have to disagree with them. Oh, me too. Well, <laughs> I, I think I, I, I mentioned it on the podcast a while within the last several weeks, talking about Ambrosia and art making fun of it. But then I pulled up one of his playlists. Here, it's got like four Ambrosia songs. That on is it. awesome. So, so he's right. a closet Ambrosia oh, wow. fan. Yeah. Yeah, he needs to come out of that closet. Actually, had a, a biggest part of me on my list as far as a guilty pleasure. So. Nice, Matt. 
I know uh, you. I know you've got a bad song of 1980. Let's go. Let's go, little Captain and Tennille. Do that to me one more time. You can do that to me a lot of more times. That's a good <laughs> song, brother. You know what? I don't hate that song. That that you don't hate not it? quite not quite guilty pleasure, but it's not as miserable as you would think it is in my mind. Uh, not terrible. That song is hard to watch. Yeah, not as bad as Muskrat Love. Oh, uh, they're both good. Man, you can... <laughs> What's yours, Rob? I want to hear, hear your worst song. The Rose by Bette Midler. Oh, yeah. Oh, I had that yeah. too. Yeah. That is terrible. Except for its use in Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah, in which case it's fantastic. <laughs> then it's redeemable. But I, my second one would have been Ships by Barry Manilow. Again, I didn't remember it. Heard it on a freaking countdown. Like, how did this make its way into top 40 radio? Isn't that frustrating? You made it through the 80s and never had to hear it. And then you hear it later in life. It's like, ah, like, oh, I've been shielded and protected from this atrocity <laughs> of a song. Did our regional radio stations not play something? Because I'll listen to well, Casey's you know what? Here's something. Here's something funny. Because back when I was in high school, my career aspiration was to be a radio DJ. And so I would, career day, I did you know the whole thing like this one I want to do. So I got to the point, I would call these DJs at radio stations and request songs. And every once in a while, they'll like sit and chat with you. And I would request stuff. I'm looking at Rolling Stone magazine. Because I remember having this conversation. Hey, this song is number 35, but I've never heard it on here. He says, like, here's how the radio industry works. He said, there's about 20 songs that a radio station will play. They'll rotate them in and out. You get heavy rotation, medium rotation, light rotation. All of those are within those 20 songs. And unless it's a huge star, they're not going to break its way in unless it penetrates that top 20. Hmm. So you get a song, it's like number 24, 25 by whatever band, you're not going to hear it on your local top 40 radio station. It has to be get to that top 20 to get there. So numbers 21 through 40, that's why we hear the countdown, we hear these songs we maybe never heard before or didn't realize they were singles. So... That's kind of how radio worked back then. I don't even know how it works now, but back then you had to be top 20 in order to be played on most top 40 radio stations. It was very controlled, wasn't it? Very much. Yeah. Very much. You know one that's gotten worse to me over time? I didn't mind it back then, but as I get older, that song becomes more creepy, is Into the Night. Oh, super creepy Oh, Benny Margonas. Love it. That's a guilty pleasure for me, too. She's just... I believe that. <laughs> it is. Yeah. The worst video ever. Oh but, my gosh. But the very the so bad. But the very end when they fly away on the carpet. Not, it didn't get better. When than he's that. looking in her window, man. Yeah. That's, Come that's, on, dude. That's, that's a little that's, creepy. That is that is very, very rough. I would also Upside Down by Diana Ross. Hmm. Never a fan of that song. Yeah, it's okay. Didn't like I'm, it. I'm okay with that one. Yeah. Didn't like it. I gotta throw out She's Out of My Life by Michael Jackson. I mean, sad, sad. I'm going to throw some lyrics out at you. She's out of my life, and I don't know whether to laugh or cry. I don't know whether to live or die, and it cuts like a knife. She's out of my life. And when he chokes up at the end of that, and he's crying. 
<laughs> oh my. Here's a fun fact. When we get together for the podcast, we take about the first half hour or so. We catch up, we're chatting, we're eating pizza, we're having a good time. I usually have some kind of music playing or videos playing in the background. This week I had Top 100 and 1980 in there on random. And this song was on, and Snowball brings it up about how bad it is. And he's right, so we did end up skipping that song. Yeah. <laughs> but now we're going to go on to Guilty Pleasure. This is a song that your friends may not think you're the coolest cat around if you listen to these songs. So, uh, Matt, what about you? Guilty Pleasure. Guilty Pleasure. And I, I don't, I ain't going to just say like all chick songs are guilty pleasures, like we shouldn't like chick songs. But, you know, uh, Heartbreaker, Pat Benatar. I think it's kind of cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to dig on it something a little bit. Maker, dream maker. Love taker, don't you mess around with me. Come on. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Guilty Great pleasure. Song. Guilty pleasure. How's that a guilty pleasure? That's I just, like, that's, no, that's, 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 that's a rocking song. You, you, is, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Huh. I, I'll tell you why it's a guilty pleasure. Because w- when I think of this song, I think of um, a girl I was dating at the time. And this was like, her song, right? So she would sing this all the time. And so to me... It was just this chick song, and so I mean, it's it's straight chick song, and I I see this girl singing this song every time. To me, it's just this chick song, but I like it. You don't call good songs guilty pleasures. Mm. Known good songs. It's Mike. I know you've got something that is really guilty pleasure. Well, we've already mentioned two of them: uh, Benny Mardona's "Into the Night." Love that one. Ambrosia, biggest part of me. That's not exactly the. Most manly, toughest song. But I'm going to throw out there, uh, He's So Shy by the Pointer Sisters. So good looking. <laughs> good tune. Good tune. Nothing wrong with that one. Kevin. My song, it's it kind of has a 70s feel to it by a 70s group. But I and I think this should be on any make-out tape that you put together. <laughs> if you're putting together a cassette, this, it's got to be on it. Shining Star by the Manhattans. Ooh, that's a good one. Honey. That has honestly been on some makeout tapes. It has, I made. To be. Yeah. it has to be. Yeah, oh, I, I, I like this would be a good mm-hmm. first dance song, right? Like you got married, it's the first good good song to dance. Have your first. I think so. Yeah. Yes, I do. Honey, you're my shining star. Don't you go away. That's that's it's a good. Beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. So to segue, my song is very similar. A great first dance song. Yes, I'm ready by Casey and Terry Desario. Okay, so does that song 
It is familiar. Okay, there uh, we I go. Know I thought it, it would. I it, thought you when it you definitely heard it, you falls might. under the guilty pleasure category because yeah. I would not admit to that song. <laughs> it was on the same album as uh, "Please Don't Go," which I'm sure you guys have heard that one. That's fine. Okay. Can I throw out one more guilty pleasure? Absolutely. And, I, and I'm only doing this. I, I think it's a great song, but it's dark. I mean, it's very upbeat, but the lyrics. It's it shouldn't be something I'm like oh I love this I'm gonna turn it up. It's um. People who died by Jim Carroll. Oh yeah. You guys know that song at all? No, forever. It's played just barely. You can just barely hear it at the beginning of E.T. when they're all sitting around a table playing Dungeons. Is that and an E.T.? Mm-hmm. The very very no beginning. No way. Did you cry at that part or was that later? Uh later. Okay. Foreshadowing <laughs> people who died. You know we we go ahead and play a little bit of that one. song is so cool yeah know. it's it, it, like i said it's, it's it's a guilty pleasure just because it's a song it's kind of dark and probably shouldn't like but I don't know, <laughs> yeah. something about that song i like and I it's an upbeat song about, yeah. about people that died there it is. Crazy right stuff, right man. yeah i didn't hear it back then but i hear it on first wave on sirius xm from time to yeah, time yeah. so it's a good one maybe it should have been titled celebration of life <laughs> it should be i have one more guilty pleasure from 1980 uh, that's driving my life away by Eddie Rabbit. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, you're right there. That's not a bad song. That's a great song. That's a great yeah. song. Why is that a guilty pleasure? It's a country song. Yeah, it's not. He's a... got a country phobia. Oh man, that's a I good song. I don't have song. a country phobia. That's a it's That is not a song people would typically go. Oh, that's a great song. Oh, it, it is. is a great it song. is a great song. Okay. Goodness gracious! Don't sit and talk about what a guilty pleasure song means later on. <laughs> <laughs> Touche, my friend. Touche. That's funny. All right. Now we are down to our last song of the night uh, from everybody. Uh, This is our hidden gem. This is a song we're pretty sure flew under the radar. People may or may not know it. And uh, we're going to start with Kevin. I'm going to go Ball Skaggs, Miss Sun. So it's basically his love song to the sun. Is that what it is? Yeah. Oh, simple far as, enough. As far as I can tell. As far as I can tell. Best of I Best of remember I it. <laughs> what about Mike? Leo Sayre, more than I can say. Oh, that would almost be a guilty pleasure. It's, that's, 
Is that yours? Uh, uh, that's a good song. That would have been a guilty pleasure, I would think. I, I like it. I liked it back then, but it's nothing I would sit around the lunch table at school. To, to me, it was like admit, more You of heard a, the new Leo Sayer song. It was more of an adult <laughs> contemporary song that maybe sure we really didn't hear in our social circle back in 1980. No. I'm just guessing. We would have I got we would have heard it on Top 40 radio for But it's sure. really not that hidden either. Too Hot by Cool and the Gang. That's a nice smooth song. Yeah, that's a good song. Not terrible. Not terrible. What about you, Matt? Uh, actually, my, my hidden gem, I'm sure it's hidden from you guys because this is a Christian song. Oh, that hurts. Yeah. Oh, no offense. Church. I'm just saying, whatever. I was there three times a week. 1980? Yes, okay. I was. Well, let's talk about number one song in 1980 by a dude named Don Francisco. Are you hip to Donnie? Francisco. That's fun to say. That's fun to say. I call him Frankie. <laughs> Whatever you do. Okay. <laughs> I remember him vividly because my brother had his cassette tape. And we, I wore that thing out, played it back and forth. He's got several good songs on there. Uh, but, but the number one song in 1980 was uh, Gotta Tell Somebody. I got to tell somebody. Uh, and it's just, and he, he's a, Don Francisco is a storyteller. He doesn't sing like, you know, the songs and courses on me. He's, he tells a story and he just, it's just uh, him and a guitar and he's just, it's just folky, I guess would be the word, Very folksy. Cool. But, but cool stuff. And uh, great song, Hidden Jim, check it out. All right. Thank you. That's Thank you, one. sir. See, you brought it. See that? Look yeah. at that. I would say yours is probably the most hidden of all the gems there this There it week. is. There it is. Of course, Mike's got You're a hidden gem. That's what you're, I've been saying. You're, oh. you're gem. <laughs> you're gem. <laughs> okay. What's your uh, hidden gem? Mine would be Sleeping with the Television On by Billy Joel. Glass off of Glass Houses, yeah. of, that was not a hit that you yeah, said would was be like not released as a single, and just got a very cool, very cool sound to it. I wonder if Tammy's ever heard of that song. Of, I know Tammy. <laughs> of has. course, Tammy. Has. Tammy <laughs> probably is hooting and hollering right now, celebrating the that fact that I mentioned that. her. I'm sure, song. she is. All right. So that does it for this week. Next week, we're going to come back with 1988. Oh boy! Yeah, oh, boy. Get, get, I think Paul Abdul was pretty big back then. Wasn't yeah. oh, so we're gonna do that, and we're gonna close with Matt's guilty pleasure, <laughs> also known as a major hit. <laughs> <laughs> major hit. It was a top one hundred. It was one of the top one hundred hits of nineteen eighty. But it's a hidden gem. It's a hidden gem. <laughs> no, wait, it's guilty pleasure. Guilty pleasure. Oh, yeah, guilty pleasure. Guilty pleasure. I've never heard anybody call Pat Benatar guilty pleasure before. <laughs> well, they probably never had so, the girlfriend sing it every single day. The, but, the, yeah. the intro here was used by Sting, the wrestler, for a period of time. Mm. So here is the intro, a little bit of Heartbreaker by Pat Benatar. Guys, thanks. Take care. God bless. We'll see you next week.
I love you so. That's great. I want you to know that I'm gonna miss your love the minute you walk out that door. Please don't go. Don't go. Oh, that's great. Oh, that hurts.